Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. The snow is melting here, or at least it is at the moment. I believe that we are currently in false spring, and actual spring will arrive after third winter. Uh, We Michiganders know better than to trust warm weather in February or March when this drops, or April when you may be listening to it. We are going to look at book two of De Rerum Natura today. I'm working from the Monroe and Cassius Amicus translations. Uh, Book two begins by describing the perfection of nature. Uh, We may think we need things to be happy, but nature doesn't. She's just as happy with flowers as she is with gold. And humans can be the same. We can be just as happy sitting by a stream, watching the water flow as we can be in a gilded concert hall. Um, And at the same time, you can be just as miserably sick in a bed made with satin sheets as in a bed made with cotton. Uh, So power and wealth are not where happiness lie, Um, which is where Plato goes wrong, uh, because Lucretius has to point out how previous philosophies simply don't get it. So Plato talks a lot about power and philosopher kings and all that. Um, but that's, that's not, that's not what we need to be happy. Um, and, and Lucretius will explain just how to use nature and our natural selves to create our best lives, if you will. Nature gives us our senses. And if we use our senses, then, then things become obvious. For example, It is clear that nature doesn't require the intervention of the gods for things to grow and the seasons to change. Well, I mean, except for Venus, of course. We still still need Venus. Um, Another gift from nature is pleasure. We, We use our senses to identify what will give us pleasure and what will give us pain. Uh, But even Epicurus teaches that pleasure isn't always what will bring us happiness. Happiness is bigger than just pleasure. Sometimes we have to make a painful choice on our path to happiness. Uh, To quote another great philosopher, life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is selling something. Okay, it's not a perfect fit, but I love that movie. So sometimes Princess Bride quotes are unavoidable, just like pain. And this leads Lucretius to the concept of atoms. And he kind of gets some of it right again. They're always in motion with no fixed place and fixed time. They, they can be built into larger, more complex structures. Kind of like when you're looking at a hill that's far away and covered in a flock of sheep. So from a distance, it just looks like a white blob. But if you get close, you'll realize that each individual sheep is constantly moving I'm sure you've thought of that before. In all honesty, I really do like this simile because I'm a knitter and I like sheep. Um, and and depending on where you live, I mean, there are there are sheep near near. I you can drive past them on the way to the grocery store. Um, and depending on where you live, you may you may have a better concept of this image. But but even if you don't, you know what sheep look like, and you can. You can imagine a flock of sheep all kind of bunched together and seeing them from from a far enough distance that you can't differentiate the individual sheep from that distance, and you have to get closer. Um, it's it's like um, I mean, it's like art. It's it, it's like uh, Georges Seurat, right? Um, and uh, and his pointillism. 
um, that when you get up close, you can see all the little tiny dots from it, but from a distance, we get get the whole picture. Uh, it, which of course comes much much later, and that could be another whole course about the evolution of art and the evolution of our understanding of physics. Um, one of I, or my high school physics teacher actually talked about that. Um, anyway, the the point is that the universe is more than just what we see in the world. Um, and and perhaps this this world is transient and and will come. I mean, it's here now, but it'll go. And maybe it'll be replaced with another world. but but don't let that depress you. Keep reading, just not now because Lucretius will try to make you feel better in book three and and this episode is only about book two, and we are at the end of book two. As books two starts, it feels to me more like what we think of as Epicurean, or I mean, at least what I think of as Epicurean. Um, this whole life is about enjoyment um, and happiness, and this is the philosophy that will help you achieve that happiness. But I think a something that happens is we get Epicureanism and hedonism um, conflated. And and we see Lucretius talking about a difference between between these two. Hedonism is about pleasure, right? It, whatever, if it makes you feel good, you do it. It damn the consequences. Um, but that's not what Epicureanism says. It's not about about the hedonism is about the moment and how I feel right now and making sure I feel pleasure right now always. And Epicureanism is about a long-term goal of happiness and how we achieve that. And there may be not so happy moments to get there. To achieve happiness, we may have to have have painful moments. Um, I lost a couple of friends this week. I Somehow I have, as far as I know, gotten through this entire pandemic um, without anyone I know dying from... COVID, but I have had multiple friends die from other causes. And um, this past week, two of my friends died um, for things totally not related to the pan- pandemic and just uh, just life. Um, and one of, of the things with with grief, right, is we don't we don't grieve people who we don't love. Um, you don't grieve the death of someone who you don't have happy memories of, that there isn't a happiness associated with. So we have that pain of grief linked to the happiness. And and I don't think hedonism would recognize that, um, that long-term consequence of your pleasure possibly. And and so perhaps we have to have these painful moments in order to really have what could be considered a lifetime of of happiness. Um, and and so I, I the more I I had before I started reading this, you know, a vague understanding of Epicureanism that was much more like hedonism, but it it isn't. I think um, as a world view, it is a much it is a nice 
nice, well-rounded concept. Um, and and honestly, this <laughs> this book this feels like a self-help book. Um, it's it, it, it just that sort of like, all right, so you want, it, it, the song that is going through my health is, so you want to be happy for the rest of your life. You know, um, I, if you don't know the song, go to the blog. I have found it on YouTube and shared a link there. It, it's a great catchy pop, pop song. Um, and it, the happiness described there is not what Epicurus teaches. Um, but... But this this feels like a self-help book in, in that, oh, so you want to be happy, and now let me teach you how if you become an Epicurean like I am, then you will therefore learn how to be happy. Um, it, but it's also just, it's also fascinating and weird at the same time because it jumps from, from this straight-up philosophy about... Um, pleasure and pain and and happiness to talking about atoms and physics and and then it's got this over the top gorgeous poetry on top of it. it it is it is a it's a weird epic because because it's this philosophical tome about physics and and life and it I, I honestly, I don't know that I've ever read anything quite like it. Um, but the part that really struck me, no, is when he writes about how the gods don't control nature and nature doesn't need them. So therefore, we don't really need the gods either. Well, except for Venus. And that's what I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Um, so what what is he saying about Venus? Is she not a god? Um, is it just that he's a good Roman and and Venus is, you know, the mother of Rome, um, mythologically speaking? Or, or, or is he a monotheist um, and is trying to say that there are no other true gods besides Venus, which is really interesting if you look at this really, really patriarchal structure that was ancient Rome that that he is he saying that the one true god is a is a goddess is a is a female deity um and i and i i don't know um this is this is where um i'm coming at this going i'm i'm a history major not a philosophy major um maybe i should have gotten my dad on to to talk with me about this he has a degree in philosophy anyway um what what do you think? What do you think about Lucretius's theology or physics or philosophy? Um, pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. Find me on Patreon as triumvirclio. That URL is in the show notes too. On Friday, we will start reading the Bibliotheca of Pseudo Apollodorus. You may also see it as Apollodorus, but um, and I'll go into more detail on this on Friday, but uh, we know now that he really, Apollodorus did not actually write this, so um, so he is, the, the author of this is Pseudo Apollodorus. Um, talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. 
And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.